0: Hello and welcome to the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath, I'm here with Donald. Hello. And in our session today, we are looking at how we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and the transformation God can bring in our lives. Enjoy our show. Hello and welcome to Questions of Life. I'm Kath, I'm here with Donald. Hello. We're in Sutton Coalfield Baptist Church. But as you can see, we are still surrounded by harvest goodies. And that means that sadly we're unable to be live with you this evening. And this is one of our special pre-recorded programs, which we hope you'll enjoy as much as you do the live ones. It just means that you won't be able to text in and to join in the discussion. But the following week, we will be back live and in the building. And hopefully we'll have a live audience with us uh, and we'll crack on. Now, tonight, we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about when I was younger. So people think that I'm quite chilled. I've got this reputation of being uh, a little bit on the edge, perhaps a little bit naughty. I don't know where that reputation comes from. Funny, that. Isn't it? And uh, when I was at secondary school, I wasn't particularly well behaved. The only time I was well behaved was just before reports were due. And so I would try and make it a concerted effort just to make it look as though head down, I was working hard. So when my report card went home, my parents didn't go, absolutely spare. Now the problem with that was that I found it incredibly difficult to be good. I found it just impossible to concentrate, to not be a little bit gobby. I know that's, again, hard for you to believe. My desire was to try and be good, but kind of like as as hard as I tried, I was like going for it, I I want to do well and be good. I, I just couldn't sustain it. And I see that in many different areas of my life, that sometimes there's this desire to do something. And in my own strength, in my own ability, it's incredibly difficult. And it reminds me of a guy in the Bible of Paul that, that again, recognizes that, oh, the things I want to do, I don't always do. Mm. But then he also says things like, but I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And so I want to explore as we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the aspects of that. And that is this ability that is beyond our own human ability to be able to be changed, to be able to make a difference in the world, to be able to be used by God, to be just transformed, to become more like Jesus. Begin to just explore that with us, who the Holy Spirit is and and being filled with him.
1: Right, fantastic. I mean essentially the Holy Spirit is, is God. What we're talking about is something that begins in the Old Testament where the prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel particularly, pick out exactly what you're talking about. They talk about the people of God having a heart of stone, that they want to be something, but they don't seem to be able to change. And Ezekiel and Jeremiah talk about this time when God will put his spirit in them. And this is one of the things that makes Christianity absolutely unique. The idea that God comes and lives within a human being is an incredible idea that he will put his spirit within us. It's his spirit, which is different. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And you get this amazing event that happens just after Jesus ascends to heaven. And uh, the disciples are meeting together fearfully. They're afraid. They've got the doors locked and they're frightened. And Jesus has told them to wait there because he says his power will come upon them and they will have the ability to not be to no longer be afraid but to go out and to speak of God's love without with courage. Mm-hmm. And so they get this moment which we call Pentecost which talks about the spirit of God coming on them and, and it's described as like fire and, and an incredible moment And what we believe is that we can open ourselves up and invite God to fill us. And just like those first disciples at Pentecost, and it'll look different in lots of different ways because we're all unique people, and we'll perhaps explore that in a moment. But God can come and change us from the inside out. And so it's not about us saying, I'm going to try harder. It's about me saying, God, will you help me? And it's about inviting God to come in and to, uh, to, to help us from the inside out. I've forgotten my gloves, but one of the things I do a lot is, is to tell a story uh, about a glove called uh, Gordon. Ta-da! It's a good thing we're doing a pre-record. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've gone to get Gordon and Glenda. Lovely. So this is Gordon the Glove. And uh, those who've done Alpha will know this story because I do it all the time. But the idea is that Gordon, every day he gets up and he thinks, I really want to serve my master. I want to maybe do some gardening. I maybe want to do some lifting. I want to pull out those stinging nettles. I want to keep my master's hands warm. Every day he gets up full of desire. I want to do what my master wants me to do. But every day he just lies there and nothing ever happens. And so uh, he's married to Glenda. This is Glenda.
0: She's lovely, isn't she?
1: She is lovely. <laughs> uh, they're suited to each other. They are. And uh, she says to Gordon, why are you so down? Why, what, what's... And he explains to her that he has all these desires, his ambitions, all the things he wants to be, all these New Year's resolutions he's made, all these new leafs he's turned over. And she says, what you have to do is invite the Master to fill you. And it's only when we're in partnership, it's only when we cooperate with the master that we're able to then, together with him, do what he wants. And I always love this story because it, for me, illustrates the essence of what we're talking about. We're saying to God, will you come inside? I'm sorry, I've lived my life my own way and it's not worked and it's not right and it won't work. I'm giving up trying. I'm going to cooperate. And so I want you to fill me with your spirit. Now, of course, Gordon has to be willing. He has to allow the master uh, to take control. And at any point, he can resist. He can stop. And we need to allow God to change us. And that's very often a process. It's a journey throughout our life. It goes from the moment we say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. And every day saying, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. God, fill me. Jesus, come and fill me by your spirit every day. And bit by bit, he begins to transform us, to get us fit for heaven and to enable us to more reflect what he wanted us to be. I've forgotten the question. It was so long ago. No, 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 that's
0: fine. So just going back to Gordon and Glenda, because I love Gordon and Glenda. We looked at Pentecost. And this defining moment in the history of Christianity that the prophets have been talking about God saying, I'm going to do this new thing. I'm going to fill all believers with my spirit. Jesus picks up on this and he says, I'm leaving you, but I'm going to send someone who's not just going to be with you, but will be in you. Mm. Um, So we have these, these fantastic words. And then Pentecost happens. So from that point onwards, the moment somebody becomes a Christian, they're filled with the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, I think what we need to be clear what we're yes. talking about when we say become a Christian. Yes. So we've talked about before, a Christian is someone who's saying, my way of life without God is wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I'm i not fit for heaven.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There is stuff in my life that's not right. And I admit that. Yeah. I repent of that. Yeah. And I believe that Jesus died for me in mm-hmm. my place to take the death I deserve. He died on a cross for me. Mm-hmm. And so... I want to ask you Jesus to take my sin. Mm -hmm. And the next part of that is to say, so come into my life. Mm -hmm. And so we're asking God to fill us. And that whole process, repentance, belief, and and making a commitment and invitation is the process of becoming a Christian. Mm -hmm. So sometimes being filled with God's spirit is perhaps the end of that process. For some people, the end of really saying, God, I need you.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. It's, Important to understand that a Christian is not someone who gives a mental assent Mm -hmm. to a belief. It's someone who says, I need you in my Mm -hmm. life. Will you come in Mm -hmm. and fill me?
0: And it can be as simple as that. You know, I know we often say we need to admit and and all of these kind of things. But I think back to when I became a Christian. So for some people, it is a journey Mm -hmm. and it takes a while. And you look back and you realize, actually, yeah, I've become a Christian. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. For me, it was one of those standout, Moments and I didn't know the right words to say, I didn't know the prayer of repentance or faith or or anything. There was nobody there, in a sense, to lead me, and it was more a heart response and and a mind that said, Yes, I want you. And so I I couldn't, I didn't understand the full workings of okay, Jesus, you've died on the cross, but I knew in that moment that I was different. Mm. I knew that there was a lightness and that I'd been changed. I knew now looking back that I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, Mm. that that was the transformation that had taken place. So for some people, there'll be a moment they can look back to and think, I remember when it changed. And for others, they'll look back and they'll think, okay, yeah, that's happened. And that encourages us because I think sometimes when we look at Pentecost, so Pentecost was really dramatic and out there, wasn't it? You had Mm. the tongues of fire, you had the the winds blowing, that everybody knew that this was happening, that people from miles around could see it because I think God was trying to make a statement. He was trying to say, I've been promising this for hundreds of years. Today it's happening. I'm fulfilling it. And sometimes when people read that passage in Acts, they think, oh, my life, this is a little bit scary. You know, is everybody going to know? Am I going to be embarrassed? Am I going to be overpowered by God? Are there going to be tongues of fire? Is there going to be loads of wind? But, but it's not like that. Talk about what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I think the
1: good news is that God has created us all to be diverse. Mm. And so some of us are extroverts, some of us are introverts, and most of us are somewhere in between. And, and that's part of God's creation. So the way we experience God is as equally diverse and sometimes there is a bit of a relationship with whether we're extrovert or introvert. There's also sometimes a relationship between how much life might have damaged us before. And so whether there is a particular need for healing
2: mm-hmm.
1: internally
2: mm-hmm.
1: or whether there is sometimes there is a, a resonance where some of us are unable to, to feel things because of the way life has treated us. So we need to hold all of that in balance. Yeah. But the common, the common things are a great sense of peace. Uh Sometimes people feel a sense of electricity or tingling. Sometimes people feel a a sense of heat. Sometimes people begin to gush a language. This is what happens at at Pentecost. They begin to gush a language that they're not familiar with, just begin to utter praise or or thanksgiving. Sometimes people just uh, have a deep conviction that God is there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Sometimes people have... A, a real affirmation that they feel saved. Uh-huh. What I think is important is to have, try and balance two things. One is to not be alarmed by any of those experiences
2: uh-huh.
1: and equally not to be alarmed if that's not our experience. Uh-huh. Because whether we feel things, as I've said a moment or two ago, will be conditioned partly by our temperament and partly by what else has gone on in life. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes people uh, will be very emotional. Sometimes people will laugh. Sometimes mm. people will cry. Sometimes that happens a little bit later. Mm. Um, one of the things I think is important is to seek to God to fill us every day. Lord, mm-hmm. fill me. And it may be that on a particular occasion, that is something quite powerful. But for most days, that's just a normal prayer. Mm-hmm. And we don't particularly feel something different. Mm. Uh, so, I don't want us to have a faith based on feelings,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but nor do I want us to have a faith that is afraid of feelings mm-hmm. or that seeks to deny feelings or that seeks to look down on feelings.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it's sometimes a bit difficult to hold those two things in balance amongst Christians. Sometimes you get a, a, a wing of the church, which is the wing that I became a Christian in, which is kind of against feelings and you, you shouldn't feel anything. Um, and then you get uh, a wing of the church that's all for feelings that somehow makes feels like it's looking down on those who haven't mm-hmm. experienced feelings.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think as I look at the New Testament, as I look at God, I think that both are part of his, his economy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I think that you see actually in, in the New Testament that you, you do have Pentecost, but then you have other... Uh, people that are quite quiet in their faith and, and, and it just is a, a gentle thing. So you've got to hold both together. But what's important is just saying to God, will you come in and fill me? Mm-hmm. And not being afraid of what that feels like, mm-hmm. nor afraid of not feeling anything.
0: So Ephesians talks about that, doesn't it? It talks about being filled with the Spirit. But when you delve back into the Greek, it's a continual thing. So it's not just, right, I've become a Christian and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Job done, but like you say, it, it's it's a, a daily desire. Sometimes it's an hourly desire. Would would you fill me? How do we work in conjunction with the Holy Spirit? So you talked about Gordon and and Glenda. How does how does that work in practice? What does that look like? And and what's God able to do in and through us when we work in conjunction with Him?
1: Yeah. So th- so one of the things the New Testament talks about is that when God's Spirit comes in us, it produces fruit. Mm-hmm. So it talks about the fruit of the spirit and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. Now, this is all one fruit, if you like. The way it's described is as one fruit is all of those things together. So if we take the example of patience, mm-hmm. how do I become more patient?
0: You have to work with me. That's one way.
1: <laughs> so I think that the, the, the first element is to say to God, Lord, I'm not patient. Mm-hmm. So the key thing is going back to our admitting is to repent, is to say, Lord, God, I admit that I'm impatient. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is to say, Lord, will you help me to grow in patience? Mm -hmm. And then I think there is a partnership. If we change the analogy, it's it's a a bit like if you imagine that we're a car, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we're giving the Holy Spirit control of the steering wheel. Yep. Uh, and there, so there is a, a, a prompting of God saying, step back, I want you to be more patient.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we've got a choice when we hear that voice. Mm-hmm. So we we start off by admitting I'm impatient. Mm-hmm. We're then praying, Lord, help me to grow in patience. And then we're then responding to the prompts to suddenly react differently to the way we reacted before.
0: Yeah.
1: And But crucially, I think what happens is that over time, we'll look back and we'll say, I am more patient than I was. Mm -hmm. I have changed Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and it was God, not me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And sometimes other people notice that before us.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's about recognising where we've gone, where we're not right. Mm -hmm. It's about asking God to fill us in that area. And it's then about cooperating with the prompts Sometimes there are practical teachings. You know, somebody might say to you, you know, try counting to 10, try walking away, uh, try imagining what it's like for the other person. So there are practical things that the Holy Spirit might guide us. And we hear teaching, we think, oh, yeah, that will make a difference to the way I grow in patience. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are practical things that the Holy Spirit will do. But at the very essence, I will not become more patient simply by my own willpower. Mm -hmm. It's by me surrendering Mm -hmm. in prayer to Mm
0: -hmm. God. One of the people I like in the New Testament is Peter. Peter's one of Jesus's closest followers. And uh, on the night that Jesus is betrayed, he says to Peter, you're you're gonna deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, I'm not. I love you, you know, he's he's like, how on earth could he say that about me? I'm just this, this great follower of yours. I'm never gonna deny you. And we see these three occasions where he's full of fear and he doesn't want to say that he's one of Jesus's followers because he's scared of the consequences and we see just the the guilt and the recrimination within him it kind of crushes him a bit to think i didn't have the ability to stand up for jesus and then the day of pentecost comes and then he's filled with the holy spirit and as Pentecost is, is happening, all these people are gathering round because people are speaking in different languages as the Spirit enables them. And they're like, what's going on here? You know, it's early in the morning. Are these people drunk? And Peter is the one who, filled with the Holy Spirit, is empowered to stand before these people and to explain what is going on you know repent and be baptized every one of you and be filled with the holy spirit Mm. and he's standing before hundreds and thousands of people that are mocking that are asking what the heck is going on here and for me that highlights in a little way the transformation of the holy spirit here was a guy who was scared was embarrassed felt a failure in his own strength he couldn't be and do what he wanted to be And yet when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was still the same Peter, but yet there was something else. There was the Spirit of God in him that enabled him to do what his heart's desire was, and that was to tell people about Jesus. Are there things in your life that you look back on and you think, okay, I've worked in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. I know for me there's lots of different things, but I wonder if there's an example you can think of, or you I mean you're quite perfect, so it might be difficult well for you i to think it's
1: I think it's really important to be clear that we will still make mistakes, we will yep. still sin, and Peter goes on and makes other mistakes oh, yeah, uh, it's important that we recognize that the fruit takes time to grow mm-hmm. um, i The the thing I I would point out for me would be a slightly different element of of God's filling, which is when we talk about gifts.
0: Yep.
1: Now, the fruit is for everyone. You cannot say, oh, I don't need to be patient or I don't need to be gentle or I don't need to be self-controlled. Can't say any of that. Yep. But what the New Testament also talks about is us being given individual abilities and talents that are different to what other people have. Strengths, skills, whatever language you want to use. And the purpose of these is that we might point people to God, that we might be his witnesses. You remember when the Spirit came at Pentecost, it was that we might be witnesses. So all of the gifts of the Spirit, the intention is that we might better tell people about Jesus through our lives. Mm -hmm. So where that might be that we, our gift might be that we're very good at being a listener to someone. And by listening and giving a person empathy and a feeling that they're loved and cared for because they've been heard, we point them to Jesus. It may be that our gift is uh, to work with children. and, And if when we work with children, we do that in such a way that those children sense and feel and know God's love. Whatever that skill is. And some of the gifts of the Spirit are are supernatural gifts that, that you can't normally have. But many of them are normal gifts but are supernaturally changed. So my story would be that in my own nature, I'm a, quite, I'm a very shy person, uh, that I'm not confident to speak, that uh, public speaking for me early in my life was a very difficult thing to imagine doing. And certainly the concept of talking on camera, things like this, <laughs> really, I would say never owned do that. I never want to be mm. an alignment. I don't like that at all. Mm. Uh, uh, what happened when I became a Christian uh, very quickly is that I would be, uh, there would be times where I would be in a meeting where people were invited to share what they felt God was saying to them. And I would feel very strongly that I had to say something. And I would be terrified. And I felt I had to. It felt a compulsion. I have to say something from scripture. And I would begin to say things. And very quickly, people around me said, you've got a gift here. We think God is using you. Now, if I compare that gift with what I do now it would be a million light years. It was fumbling. It was lots of mistakes. And even if you look at the first videos that we made six months ago, I think you would see a development in my ability to speak into a camera. So there is an element in which God is constantly growing and developing that gift. But fundamentally, it's something that I couldn't do on my own. Mm. I can't just say hey, you know, I'm going to have the confidence to speak in front of people. I'm going to have the confidence to say something. I'm going to have the the clarity of mind to speak clearly and articulately and with words that are helpful to other people. Mm. So I believe fundamentally that that's a gift of God's spirit. Mm. And there are times when I will say something that I could hear plenty of other people say. Mm. And for some reason, people will say that has really helped me. And I look at it and I think anybody could have said that. But what's going on is that God's spirit has taken my words and applied it in that person's life. Mm. And that's what I think the gifts of the spirit are about, where we have something that might be the same as what anybody else can do. Mm. But because God is saying, this is what I want you to do, Mm. and I am going to fill this skill with my spirit,
2: Mm.
1: it has an unusual consequence in people's lives people mm. sense god learn from god transformed by god mm. and a church is filled with people filled with the spirit who are filled with different gifts and those gifts come together whether it's welcoming, whether it's listening, whether it's creativity, whether it's practical care, whether it's uh, a gift of giving and generosity, as we see the harvest stuff around us, whether it's a, a, a mm-hmm. gift of being able to explain things, whether it's a gift of being able to pray for somebody, whether it's the gift of just having a sense of what God might be particularly saying to a person, whether it's the gift of, of, of praying for healing, whatever it is, we need all of these gifts. So, Asking God to fill us is there's a two parts to it. There is saying, Lord, I need to be more like Jesus. So will you grow the fruit in me? But I also need to be what you want me to be in your kingdom and in your mm-hmm. body so will you grow the gifts in me, Mm -hmm. my gift? Mm -hmm. And and the gift will be different. It's not about comparing ourselves to anybody else. It's not about being the greatest person in the world. I'm by no means the greatest speaker in the world, but there are times when God uses me. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It's a journey. I've grown over the years, but something supernatural is happening.
0: So everybody receives a gift?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's no hierarchy of gifts. No. I think sometimes people feel, oh, I'm not such and such. I can't do what they do. How can God use me? Yeah. What would you say to to someone like me that sits in awe of you?
2: <laughs>
1: I would say, wake up and smell the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so,
1: I think you see, uh, I think two things. I think the, the spiritual answer is this picture and... The, the, in, in Corinthians, of a body.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that the eye can't say to the ear, you know, you don't need me or I don't need you. And the nose can't say to the mouth because we need every aspect of the body. And it's really healthy not to see ourselves as the totality yeah. of the perfect Christian, but to say, look, I've got something to offer. So whether whatever part of the body we are, we're equally significant. But I think to earth it far more I am acutely aware of my failings and weakness, and this church, if it was just dependent on me, would be rubbish. Even when we do the live streams, uh, and you, Deb, Dan, and I tend to do the majority of them, and I see different skills in the four of us that if any one of us was just doing it on our own, mm. it just it, it wouldn't mm. be right, you know, we bring different things to the table. and if I look at the church, you know, without the welcome that some people give, which I'm utterly useless at, without the um, hospitality, without the generosity, without the prayers, without the uh, befriending, without the, um, the listening, without the practical care, without all these things that people bring to the table, this church would be useless. If it was just a person like me, you know, we'd it, it be empty and we, are, we need each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I, I can't really understand why anybody would want to be like me. I just look at everybody else and say oh, I'm just so grateful for everybody else.
0: So we've all got a gift. How do you begin to work out what your gift is?
1: I think you combine a number of things. You sense to get that sense of God saying, "I want you to do this." Now that you know, God might—I might, might think—I want God wants me to sing.
0: No, please don't.
1: Well, that's the second factor: is are other people responding? <laughs> and I don't mean in flattery. Yeah. I mean people we trust. Mm-hmm or people asking us to do things. So that links into the into the third thing, which is opportunity. Uh-huh. If I think I'm a great singer, and, you know, everybody, I sing in church and people say that was lovely, but they're not asking me to do it again because they don't want to hurt my feelings. Uh-huh. So that lack of opportunity is probably a sense of God saying it's not really your thing.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So you're looking for a, a sense of passion desire you're looking for the feedback of others you're looking for opportunity for god suddenly opening a door and that's been my experience that a lot of the opportunities i have to speak i've never pushed mm. or asked for mm. That they present themselves mm. um, and i think the last aspect is that you begin to see god do the supernatural things mm. So I have, uh, I keep a folder of letters and emails that people send me. And I have some remarkable stories of people who have felt that something that I said has just unlocked something or transformed something or been significant in their lives. And I would have no idea about, and that I certainly didn't intend. In fact, vast majority of those are th- about things that I hadn't planned to say necessarily. And I keep those as a reminder that it's God, not me. And so I think when we begin to grow in a gift, we will begin to find unsolicited stories that God has used us.
0: It's easier in your situation though, isn't it? Because... That's quite natural for someone to sit and listen to a preacher and then send a card or an email saying, "Thank you, this really spoke to me yeah it's a little bit easier than um i don't know somebody in in a different kind of job that's not in a church situation it's not always that readily available, is it
1: No, I guess not, and maybe that's why, we, why it's important for us to encourage each yeah. other and it's important to give people that feedback because. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's smile and welcome made a big difference to your life, we need to tell them. Mm. If the care of a nurse or a doctor mm. made a big difference to our life, we need to tell them. Mm. If uh, the example of a teacher made a big difference to our life, we need to tell them. Mm. So it is important for us to to, to encourage uh, and to give feedback, and, and I... I think that if God is at work in our lives, we will see some fruit of that. Mm-hmm. We'll see some sense, however some evidence. that is. Some evidence, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so to draw it all together, we're coming into land. Give us your, your, summing up your overview of this awesome, awesome privilege and gift that we have of the Holy Spirit living yeah. in us.
1: So the great unique thing about Christianity is that God is not only up in heaven, but he became a human being to live among us. But not only did he become a human being to live among us, he sends his spirit to live within us and change us from the inside out. So that Christianity is about saying, Lord, I need you. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's not about saying, Lord, I'm going to change for you Mm -hmm. and present myself to you perfect. It's about us saying to God, please come in and fill me, Mm. please come in and change me, Mm. help me to be more patient, help me to be more loving, help me to be more self-controlled, help Mm. me to forgive, help me to be generous, all of those things
0: Mm.
1: and as we do that we discover that there are specific ways in which he uses us which we might call our gifts.
0: Fantastic. Thank you ever so much for joining with us tonight. Sorry again that we weren't live, but next week we will be back live. Our live streams will be taking place on Sunday, 8.30, 10.30 and 6.30. We hope that you'll join with us at one of those. If not, we'll see you again next week. So thank you for watching and goodbye.
1: Cheerio.